So then, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Remember I was saying about um, in the Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe, there were four children. In the Dawn Treader, two of their children aren't in that film. Well, not most of the way through. There's Peter and Susan. The two older children are actually in America. It's set in the wartime. And for some reason, they're over in America, um, and they're not actually um, with their brother and sister in this country. So what happens is that Lucy and Edmund, the two youngest children, are, as I mentioned earlier, at their Aunt Agatha's house with their rather um, irritating um, cousin Eustace, who you might have noticed, and the one who was having a good old whinge in the second clip, and the one who fell over on the Dawn Treader deck. So... What this film does um, is really concentrates on the way in which um, Lucy and um, Edmund and Eustace and Caspian all get ready for the journey. In other words, the journey is their life walking with Aslan, walking with God and, and also trying to do things for him. And they're getting ready, getting prepared, because all of them have got issues. Do you know what I mean by issues? Problems, okay? Things that kind of mess them up. And the first one, let's have a picture of Lucy, shall we, from the presentation. There we go. Sorry, it's not a wonderful picture. It's my picture, so there we go. And it's a picture of Lucy. And her, yes? I, I thought you did, but they're incredibly quiet, and I think they're probably actually gone anyway. But if the creche would like to go out, they'd be very welcome to do so. So do, do go through while everybody's looking at a picture of Lucy. Um, Emily is there if any young children want to, to go out. Okay. Right, anyway, Lucy. Lucy's problem, I mean, Lucy, if you remember the line, the witch in the wardrobe, was the one who was closest to Aslan, closest in this story to what they um, see, that picture of Jesus, picture of God. So she was very close to him, and she was a lovely person, but Lucy, like everybody, I mean, even lovely people have problems, don't they, really, and God needs to sort them out. And one of her problems is that Lucy didn't think she was very pretty. I think she looks very nice, actually. If I look like Lucy, I'd be quite happy, but she wasn't. She wanted to look like her big sister, Susan, because she thought she was beautiful. And she got so kind of carried away with wanting to look like her big sister, Susan, that it says in the film that she almost wished herself away. Do you know what they meant by that? The fact that she so wanted to be like her sister that almost she felt that she shouldn't exist. And what happened was at one point in the film, she decides she wants to be Susan and she takes out a spell book. Shall we have the, the next picture? I know we haven't done the Ecclesiastes reading yet. We'll have that in a moment. But what she does is she gets given the opportunity to have a spell book. And she, she does this spell, which is all wrong, because that's not what God wants us to do. But she, she did this spell that made herself like Susan. And she disappeared. She became Susan. And it was as if Lucy didn't exist. Should we go back to the picture before now, Andy? And that's not good. So... Aslan, God in the story, needed to sort that out first because if Lucy didn't exist, they would never have got to Narnia. If Lucy didn't exist, she would never have been able to have done all the things that she did because she was the one who went first through the wardrobe. She was the one who came back. I mean, Edmund came back and said, no, it doesn't exist because he felt silly. But Lucy said, yes, it does. Narnia does exist. And she got all her brothers and sisters going to Narnia. So if it wasn't for Lucy, none of this story would have happened. And I suppose what is being said by that is that sometimes people don't feel 
that they're valuable and important. Sometimes people don't feel that they've got a job to do, that God calls them to do something. And this is saying, yes, you are beautiful. And this is where the reading comes in. Is it Laura or Emma first? I think the Ecclesiastes reading. Do you want to come up and read that to us now? That in this reading, it talks about the fact that God makes everyone beautiful. And it's not just about the outside appearance, even though she does look really nice. But even if she really looked kind of very unattractive, God would still love her and she's beautiful on the inside. And and there is the importance of her potential things that she should do. So do you want to read that Ecclesiastes reading? Thank you. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in human hearts. I like that reading because of the two bits of it. The first bit talks about how God's made everything beautiful. And do you know when you get some people, you look at them first and you think, well, you look a bit odd. Do you know, after a while, you forget it, don't you? You actually look to the inside of the person and that's what it's saying. It's saying that God makes everything, everyone beautiful. But then the second bit says about God sets eternity in human hearts. And what that means, it's a bit complicated if you don't really know what eternity means, but but what it really means is that there is a God-shaped, it's a bit like this jigsaw, There is a God-shaped place in everybody, a God-shaped space in everybody. And unless you fill that with the Holy Spirit, fill that with your relationship with God, there will always be that gap, that hole within you. And I think that's what Lucy, the story of Lucy, was teaching. She needed to know that God had got a plan for her. She needed to know that she was beautiful, that she was important to God. And if you feel perhaps a little bit like Lucy today, feel perhaps a bit frumpy, perhaps as if... God hasn't got any purpose for you, remember that he has, that he's made everything beautiful in his time. And he's set eternity in our hearts. He's he's given us a purpose and he's given us a God-shaped whole. Let's have that second character, Eustace. I love his eyebrows. I don't know if you can see them from here, but his eyebrows are really kind of character-forming. They're kind of set in a real moan. Eustace is the whinging one of this film. Have you ever met anybody whinged? Have you whinged yourself? Had a good moan? Whinge? Oh, you never do. do. Never whinge. Never moan. It wasn't when you came in that you said it was moist this morning, was it? No, 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 no. Yes. So, you could see, couldn't you? All the time. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself being a bit of a whinger. Sometimes. That was one of his things that he needed sorting out. And his whinging was kind of like grew and grew and grew, and it became really, really angry. Have you ever met anybody who's really Mr. Angry? Or have you ever been Mrs. or Mr. Angry? Well, he was really, really angry, and everything was like that. But also, it showed in the film that he was really greedy as well. So not a good combination at the beginning of the film. And there was a bit in the film, I don't want to spoil it too much, but he arrived at Narnia, and there was this huge pile of gold And he wanted to grab it all. I mean, what he was going to do with it, I don't know, because apparently it says you can take nothing out of Narnia. But anyway, he grabbed all this gold. And then he turned into, close your ears if you don't want to hear, but he turned into a dragon. Because it was like the dragon inside him had grown up to such an extent that he became a dragon. And that's what was his problem. Actually, in the end, it was a good thing um, that he was able to be used, but it wasn't good that he was really, really angry. And I think it was teaching that sometimes we can be so angry or we can be so greedy that God really can do no good with us on the journey. And Aslan needed to sort out Eustace's anger and greed. 
Shall we have the next reading, which um, is from... We've got Emma, haven't we, doing that? Not Emma, um, Laura doing that reading from James 4. And it talks about um, the going down the wrong path, doesn't it, as, as well in that James 4 reading. Let's have this next one then. Thank you, Laura. Submit yourselves. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Submit yourself to God and come near to God. And, and it just talks about, thank you very much, Laura, it talks about, doesn't it, about how if we actually turn to God and, and say we're sorry and, and, and realise that perhaps sometimes we can be a bit of a dragon, all of us can, even I can, it's true, that, um, that, that sometimes we can deal with that ourselves. But in Eustace's case, it got so bad, he couldn't really do anything. He'd become a dragon. And really, God needed to, um, Aslan needed to, what they called, undragon him which I quite like that phrase, but he needed to undragon him. And sometimes people get to such a state that they need to come before God and say, please undragon me, please help me with this real anger problem I've got, or this real greed that I've got. And that's what happened, um, but I won't spoil it, that Eustace needed to be undragoned. So the first two characters, we have two more later, but let's just sing something, shall we? Which um, is, there's two. The first one is, If I Were a Butterfly, and it talks about how we appreciate who we are, and that's relating to Lucy, that uh, she looked like Lucy. She didn't look like Susan, and it's wonderful to actually praise God for who you are and what he wants to do with you. And then Shining from the Inside Out then talks about God's Holy Spirit being shown from inside to outside. Thank you. And even if they don't, because I'm going to stand here, please come and join and join me in the actions if you'd like to. Yeah, join in the actions. I just know the elephant one. That's all. So thank you both for helping us sing that. That was wonderful. So now, our next character in the Dawn Treader is Edmund. Excellent. You may remember, as we said, as, as uh, Ron pointed out to us, that Edmund was, had a few issues, didn't he, in the first, first um, Narnia story, in Lion and Witch in the Wardrobe. He went to Narnia with Lucy in the beginning, but he didn't want to look stupid and um, say that it existed. So he actually lied, didn't he? And, and he said that it, it wasn't there. That was the first thing. And then when he got to Narnia... Um, he was tempted by what um, particular food? Do you remember? He liked something. I think it's disgusting. Yes? Turkish delight. It's quite horrible. Does anybody here like Turkish delight? Yes, I think it's quite horrible. But he, he obviously did like it. She tempted him by Turkish delight. But she also tempted him because she said that she wanted to make him something. Do you remember what? wanted to make him king, that's right, of, of Narnia. And I mean, it wasn't actually her um, power to give, but she was trying to tempt him. And she was like the kind of devil figure, if you like, in The Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe. But anyway, he got sorted. He um, got on board and, and he was fine by the end of that film and in Prince Caspian, I believe. But then... He was one of the strong characters at the beginning of this film, but he also, there were kind of weaknesses. You know when you have something that perhaps you, you've done wrong in the past, sometimes it can actually draw you back. Well, in this film, some of those weaknesses began to draw him back. 
He was always jealous of his brother Peter because he was the older brother and he got given this sword that Edmund, it's ridiculous isn't it really, but he got given this sword that Edmund didn't get given and he was jealous of him. But also um, he wanted the power, he wanted to be king. And it was not good really because he actually then, trying to, because of his jealousy and because of his, his wanting to be powerful, his weaknesses began to show through. Should we just have that Galatians reading? That's actually my reading. I thought I couldn't possibly send this reading home to parents because <laughs> it's a bit nasty, really. Um, so actually, but then I've realised I can't actually see it. It says here about the acts of the sinful nature. Now, Edmund had got quite a few of them kind of deep down that surfaced in this film. Not all of them, it does have to be said. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, don't think it was those, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. You can understand why I didn't send this home to a guide. Selfish ambition, dissensions, faction, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And, but the main thing that he had was, was jealousy, wasn't it? And also that desire for power. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live by this way will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he got some of those things. I don't know all of them. You don't get to see everything of Edmund, but he'd certainly got the jealousy and that desire for power, hadn't he, Edmund? And that actually begins to surface again. What happens, should we have the next picture, is that as they start their journey, the green mist comes down and it's kind of the difficult phase. I don't know if you ever have green mist coming down in your life. <laughs> I don't know, it doesn't actually really say what the green mist is, but I think it's kind of things kind of weighing down and actually becoming difficult. And when the green mist comes down, this next picture is what happens. He sees the white witch, the one who tempted him with Turkish delight last time. And actually... The white witch, she started niggling away at him. And it's like the devil kind of having a go. She was niggling away at him. And she realized, she knew that he was jealous of Peter. She knew that he wanted to be powerful. And she said, I can make you king. I mean, he's a bit daft, really, because she didn't last time. But this time she was trying again and having a go. And um, when that, he, he began to be tempted by the white witch. And what happened was he kind of gave her a bit of a foothold. So she was away. And then when she was away, this is what happened next. I don't know if you can see the picture. You can't really. It's absolutely disgusting. This massive serpent comes all over the dawn treader. And it's like, it's like the kind of, it, it's a picture of kind of everything kind of crashing in on them. And that serpent almost destroyed the journey and stopped them on the journey. It was a horrible thing. And it took um, Eustace, as it happens, and also Aslan to actually sort this all out. But I, again, don't want to actually spoil the, the end of it. But basically, because... Edmund had allowed the old kind of weaknesses to grow strong um, and bad. Then he gave the devil a foothold. He gave the, the white witch some power over his life. And things went horribly wrong. The next picture, it does get a happy ending, honestly. The next picture is of Caspian, the handsome young prince or king even, actually, of Narnia. Now, he really didn't come with any weaknesses, it doesn't seem. But apparently, his weakness, that's pointed out by C.S. Lewis, is that he's worried what his dad would think. And he daren't step out without actually, without actually being sure that his dad would be proud of what he did. 
And that can sometimes, because his dad was no longer alive and he couldn't actually really seek permission for things, that kind of restricted him. It stopped him from moving forward because he couldn't check it all out with his dad. And it reminds me of perhaps some people are worried what other people think whether it's dads or whether it's other friends or, or, you know, when you're at school or at college or whatever, if you're worried about what other people think so you daren't go forward, that can be really something that kind of like a serpent stopping you moving forward. He was worried and he daren't go ahead with the dawn treader and that was his thing that needed sorting out. I've asked Jessica to bring to us a very short reading again And it talks a little bit about how we can be like that in church, that sometimes we can be, and I don't think it happens here so much, but in some places and in some situations we can be stuck with traditions, can't we, and say we're not going to move forward. And this passage talks a little bit about that. Thank you, Jessica. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. It talks about, thank you very much, it talks about new wineskins and sometimes things need to be made new, don't they, to be able to move forward. And that's really what Caspian was being taught, that he needed perhaps to change some things and, and to depart from things that everybody else had given him permission from. You, you know that passage, it talks about what would Jesus do, that thing people have around their wrist. That's good. But when people replace the J with anything else, it's obviously what would God do, but, but if People replace the J with, what would my friends do? What would my dad do? That can sometimes restrict us from moving forward and becoming the person that God wants us to be. So I suppose really summing it all up, we've got the final picture. It's a picture of the front of the dawn treader and Lucy at the helm, which is good. And I just think the whole film sums up, are you fit for the voyage. Are you fit for the journey? I've got Luke 9. I I won't actually look at that today, but um, are you fit to to get on the boat, to to become part of of, um, the kingdom of God, to, to move on with God, to walk with God? What things does God need to sort out in your life to help you to be strong, to walk with him. And, and Lucy, it was her looks and her underconfidence. Eustace, it was his anger and greed. Edmund was that um, he got those weaknesses about wanting power and being jealous of his brother. And, and Caspian, it was the idea of, of worrying about what his dad particularly, but what people thought. How do we need, and how do we need to, to perhaps come before God and say, sorry God, I need to let go of that, or perhaps you need to undragon me in some ways to move forward, to be fit for the voyage, and to become the person that you want me to be. As we reflect on that, let's just pray, and then we'll um, respond to that in worship and in song. Let us pray. We thank you, Father God, that you love us. We thank you that to you we are beautiful in the inside and on the out. And we thank you, Lord, that you value us and that you want to use us. But we're sorry, Father God, when we do stuff, when we don't walk with you, when we do stuff that will actually stop us from moving forward and serving you. Help us to lay those things at your feet and ask you to undragon us, to change us,
to make us fit for the voyage. Thank you that through Jesus this is possible, that we can be forgiven. And through Jesus we can be equipped. We thank you as we think that there was a happy ending to Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And that can be a happy ending in our lives too. As we get your power and your forgiveness to move forward and to work for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.